this is my first podcast. I didn't want to come off being like, you know, <laughs> Clemson's going 12 and 0 and they're going to win everything. They're going to win it all this year. So. <laughs> On today's episode, we preview the Clemson Tigers 2022 college football season. Will Dabo and company return to the ACC championship after missing it last year? How do the Tigers stack up nationally against some of the greats like Alabama and Ohio State? We'll preview that and much more here on the Nachos Analysis College Football Show. This is the Nachos and Analysis College Football Show, presented by Nachos and Analysis. Welcome into episode one of the Nachos and Analysis College Football Show. Today is Thursday, August 25th, and we're officially 11 days away from Clemson football. I'm your host, Drew Archer, and I'm joined by my co-host, Matthew Johnson. How's it going, Matthew? It's going great. How about you, Drew? Not too bad. So Matthew is our uh, Clemson correspondent, being a, a student living in Clemson, and I'm uh, our Greenville correspondent, if you will. Um, in the headquarters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so today's topics, just wanted to kind of, uh, obviously, episode one, set some foundations, that kind of stuff. Uh, today's episode is going to be all about previewing this season when it comes to Clemson and the ACC and the National uh college football landscape so um a few of the topics we're going to discuss today uh some of the noteworthy off-season topics um our thoughts heading into this season earlier this week i posted some twitter polls on nachos and analysis twitter account so if you do not already follow nachos and analysis do so uh at nachos underscore analysis as well as at nachos score nachos underscore podcast uh, so you can stay up to date with that. We're also going to talk about the ACC preseason poll, give out our conference predictions, as well as a segment we're going to bring in each episode, Factor Fiction. Uh, and then we'll wrap up by giving our college football playoff predictions. So, uh, Matthew, you got any uh, topics off the top of your head you kind of want to discuss heading into the this first season next week? So there are a few things that happened in the off season um of course most recently xavier thomas getting a foot injury in practice uh that's going to be interesting how that plays out he was going to be a key point in our defense this season especially it was huge for him to return i really thought he was going to go pro um so how do you think that's gonna affect things yeah i um uh, i would i was shocked that he was returning i, re I distinctly remember somebody asking him on Twitter, if he was returning, he tweeted like that uh, GIF or video where it was like a person standing there and like the person just dissolves or disappears. <laughs> so I was like, oh, yeah, he's gone. And then uh, <laughs> and then a couple of weeks later, he announced he was staying. So the, the report is four to six weeks, um, which I think based on that timeline is just before the Wake Forest game, uh, possibly the NC State game. Those are going to be Clemson's two earliest tests of the season. So it'd be nice to have him back for that. Um, yeah, some I think, Oh, sorry. I, I think Justin Maskell and KJ Henry should be able to kind of like 
pull the weight that we were kind of expecting from uh, Xavier Thomas this year. So I'm expecting big things from them. I don't expect it to be too big of a drop off, but it will be huge when we get him back. Uh, hopefully for the NC State game. Yeah, absolutely. If if you can afford to lose somebody, um, that D line is probably the best uh, unit to lose somebody. Not that you want to, because uh, it it's setting up to be possibly the best D line in the country uh, this year. Um, a couple other noteworthy things. Uh, Clemson replaces uh, it, both of its coordinators, both longtime coordinators, Tony Elliott left for Virginia and was replaced by Brandon Streeter. Um, and then, of course, Brent Venables went to Oklahoma and is replaced by Wes Goodwin uh, with a co-off or co-defensive coordinator of Mickey Kahn. Um, so we'll kind of discuss a little later in the show whether we think that affects the season or not. Um, and I have not seen the uh, official weigh-ins from fall camp, but um, – as of the ACC media days, DJ Owen Galale was up 25 pounds and Kate Klubnick, um, or excuse me, down 25 pounds and Kate Klubnick up 20, which I think both were needed. Um, Kate kind of looked scrawny coming in like Deshaun did. Um, and DJ was kind of heavy last season. Yeah. I think DJ's mobility is going to be a big indicator of how the season goes. Like if we're able to see him move around more early this year, um, it's really going to be an indicator of how effective we're going to be moving the ball. Um, he was a little hobbled with injury last year. So, uh, if he's able to move and create more offense, like he's used to playing, uh, I think that's going to be big for the offense this year. Yeah, that's definitely an aspect. I think Clemson's missed since, since Trevor Lawrence left. I mean, not even that DJ is a mobile quarterback. He's definitely more of a pocket passer. He has a great arm, mm-hmm. arm but uh, having the ability to even move around like that is uh, going to just add another dimension to his game that we didn't get to see last year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, also this year, there are a couple rule changes. Uh, TigerNet put out an article this week uh, discussing them, so I'll kind of throw a couple out out at you Matthew tell me what your thoughts are yeah I haven't heard these yet so I don't know I kind of like this first one um we'll see if I like it or not based on how this review process goes Uh, but the the first one is targeting carryover appeal process so basically if a a player was ejected from the game for targeting in the second half of a game um, in previous years it would carry over into the first half of the next game they're implementing a appeal process. Um, I guess it would have to take place within the week for them to appeal whether or not they have to be suspended for the the first half of the next game. What are your thoughts on that? It's an interesting addition. Um, I honestly am not that upset at the targeting rules currently. It, it it does suck when you have a big player get missing time because of a dumb play, but. Um, I don't expect too many changes to come from the appeal process, honestly. Like, they have the review already in place in-game from a third party. Um, I don't see that changing much. You know, the outcomes of some of the decisions, at least. Yeah, that's honestly how I think that it's probably going to go is the league offices or whoever the the panel is, they're going to probably back, in most cases, the the officials on the field. I mean, to be honest... Yeah, to be honest, uh, most of the um, 
most of the targeting calls and reviews are valid. I haven't really had many issues with a few of like with many of them of getting called targeting on the field and not thinking it's correct. It honestly doesn't happen that much. Yeah, there's there's a few outliers. And of course, if you get on Twitter, there's uh, people arguing every call. But um, <laughs> another rule change is deceptive injury timeout investigation process, <laughs> <laughs> which would be nice. We had uh, against uh, was that Georgia back in 2012 or 13 when they were just dropping like flies. 2013, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that definitely happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's been happening for a while in college football too so i don't what do you is there more information on the website of what the process is going to be or does it just say there's a review process um there's three whole paragraphs in this article so uh <laughs> list uh listeners if you want to if you want to read all three paragraphs you can go to TigerNet. but basically i think it's just going to be similar to um the the targeting someone can raise a concern hey i think this player drop down for an injury timeout just so they could stop the clock or something and they'll kind of look at it which that's going to be really hard to prove i feel like um and that's the reason that it's been so prevalent in college football is how are you going to tell somebody they're not hurt there are obviously there are obvious cases where yeah. like a dude looks at the sideline and the play's been over for 10 seconds <laughs> and he drops but hey, it's cramps it's really it's really bad heat down here in the south yeah <laughs> Uh, there's a new blocking below the waist rule. Uh, it says the panel approved a proposal to improve safety and simplify the rules governing uh, blocking below the waist. The proposal will allow blocking below the waist only by linemen and stationary backs inside the tackle box, outside the tackle box on scrimmage plays. Blocking below the waist will be prohibited. Um, so that's interesting. That's it's been a problem in the game for a while. Um but I feel like it has gotten better with more consistent calls. So uh, preventing injury and keeping everybody healthy is the main goal at the end of the day for the refs. So yeah, can't, can't argue with anything they try to do there. Yeah. And then a couple other of note with no real explanations, uh, but are pretty self-explanatory. Um, if a ball carrier simulates a feet first slide, the officials will declare the runner down at the spot, which they've always done that with quarterbacks. I guess they're trying to implement that with any ball carrier. Interesting. Um, yeah. Uh, defensive holding will remain a 10-yard penalty, but will always be an automatic first down uh, going forward. Okay. I kind of like that. Uh, yeah. Especially on like long long down situations or long yardage situations. Uh, holding is just the precursor to pass interference. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so there, and there are a couple other ones, but those are the ones uh, of note. Um, a couple other noteworthy topics. Clemson uh, is ranked fourth in both the AP and college or AP and coaches poll. Um, that also lines up with Vegas's odds for national champions. So um, every poll and Vegas all have um, basically the same thought process process on this. They have uh, all have Alabama at one, Ohio State at two, Georgia three, Clemson four, Notre Dame five. Um, what are your thoughts on this, this top five or even the poll itself? I've really only focused on the top five, Matthew. Yeah. I mean, I think Clemson is fairly ranked. There was a down season last year, so obviously not going to be in the top two or three. I don't necessarily think Georgia is going to be there. I am a diehard Georgia hater, grew up in Georgia, always hated them. It's not going to change, but 
Uh, they did lose a lot last year. Like with how much they lost on that defense, I don't be able. I don't see them being able to compete as high of a level as they did last year. Uh, last year was Georgia's year, and you just got to give it to them for that. But um, other than that, I think the top four is pretty good. Notre Dame is always an if. Uh, you never know. They're always ranked high during the season, the preseason, but once the season gets started, you honestly never know how they're going to end up being. Yeah. Um, I kind of differ with you a little bit. I agree on your Georgia point. They lose so many people on defense that three is pretty high for me. Um, I also think that four is a little high for Clemson, uh, taking off the orange cover glasses, just knowing what happened last season. Yes, DJ Lingalale proved himself in two games the previous year, but last year you really did not see a whole lot out of him to give you much faith. Um, that's me speaking from an outsider's perspective, my personal opinion. I think Clemson will eventually get to being the in the top five best teams. Uh, I just think putting them four before the season even begins um, is a little premature. Now, maybe they're basing that off of, Clemson's uh, defensive talent, uh, but I think four is pretty high considering what you saw last year and Clemson losing both coordinators. So the, the coordinators is a big one. Um, I think as far as talent goes, this is going to be a good Clemson team. Um, that's why I kind of have faith. I expect the offense to improve. We can talk about that a little more later, but I do expect the offense to improve and DJ to be better. But honestly, the bar is on the floor after last year, so better isn't great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so last couple items here. Clemson kicks off the season September 5th, Labor Day, uh, in Atlanta against Georgia Tech at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Um, Georgia Tech is the designated home team. It's not a neutral site game. They gave up a home game to play this game there, and they apparently dictated – the amount of seats or tickets sold for this game uh, based on an experience they had against North Carolina last year, which I found kind of odd. Uh, I think it's mainly to kind of control is keeping as many Clemson fans out of there as possible. I don't know, but it is a sellout. I think 54,000 tickets when the stadium can actually hold 80 some thousand. Um, so that'll be coming up here the first game of the season. Um, and then Clemson will, uh, kick off its home series or home games uh, on September 10th against Furman, and they will uh, unveil their new $70 million renovation, uh, most notably the the big video board. So have you had yeah. a chance to see the new the pictures of the video board or, or go by there and check it out? I just really got back into town full-time today, so I haven't been by there since probably earlier in the summer. Um from what I've seen from the pictures, it's looking really great. I'm excited for the construction and is that Fort Hill Road or whatever it is. I'm excited for that to be open. It was really an inconvenience during yeah. the semester <laughs> having that closed all the time. Um, so uh, that'll be pretty exciting. I know they're kind of rushing to get it done in time. Based on what I've heard, they're going to be running up to the last minute to get it done. But um, it'll be kind of cool that first home game, even though it is a a game against Furman uh, to to check out the new uh, renovation. So, well, yeah, I hope it's done at least. If it, as long as it's done, it doesn't. There might be some technical difficulties, but yeah, we'll we'll yeah. give them a game to work them out. <laughs> <laughs> a game right. nobody's going to watch. 
Yeah, yeah. It'll that'll be over uh, rather quickly. Uh, so heading into this season, Matthew, what are your kind of general thoughts of uh, uh, things you you think they need to improve on, or things you're looking to see uh, out of this team? Okay, so um, going into the season, I do expect the offense to look more efficient. There were struggles last year. I feel like a lot of teams sold out on stopping the run, um, which kind of stifles the whole game plan that the offense has. But I do expect Shipley and Phil Moffa to have big seasons. Uh, The only question for me is what wide receivers are going to step up. I expect Bo Collins, EJ Williams, and Will Taylor really to be the big three. Um, I'm interested to know what you think about that. The offensive line is still a question mark to me because they really had a bad season last year, and there was a lot of experience on that offensive line. Um, But really for the last two years, honestly, I haven't felt much improvement from the offensive line. Um, So as far as offense goes, those are kind of my thoughts going into the season. I still have a little bit of defense if you... Yeah, I I was gonna, on your point of the receivers. I would hope that Engada ends up being one of those top three, um, but based on what the the sample size we have, which is a pretty big sample size, um, or Engada uh, has had trouble staying healthy. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think the three you mentioned, um, EJ Williams, Collins, and um, Taylor. I think we're going to see them them step up and be. So I agree with your point there. Um, I really think Dakari Collins is going to be a big uh, role player in the offense this year too. He's ha- he has really good size and gets and good speed. So uh, he's another one that's on the fringe. I didn't put him in the top three that I was really expecting to step up, but I think he's going to be there and be able to make some good plays. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and that would be a welcome sight too, just because. Clemson for for so long now has touted that title of wide receiver U and um, it hasn't felt like we have been very dominant at least the last two years when it comes to our receiving course. It would be nice to have them step up. I was going to say that too, um, that the last like two or three years, maybe ever since T Higgins left, uh, there hasn't been that one dominant receiver to take the step up um, until kind of late season last year. Bo Collins kind of started being a consistent option for DJ. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, I know there's a lot of talent in that position. That just it just depends on how we're able to utilize it and if they're able to step up and make the big plays. Yeah, yeah. And you said you had some points about defense as well. Yeah, um, I do. As far as defense goes, I do expect a little bit of a drop off from the Venables era. Um, Venables, I mean, we've always had talent on defense. It's been that way since 2013, probably is when we first had our first great defense under Venables. Um, We still have all that talent that he's recruited. Uh, I just maybe expect a few little coaching errors or... Maybe Wes getting caught on the downside against the um against the offensive coordinator just just because of the inexperience, but I do have faith in him. Um the player trusts him a lot, so I really I don't see why I shouldn't trust him if they all claim to be claim him to be what he's supposed to be. Yeah, absolutely. That's um I I think that there may be a little bit of a drop off, but I think based on the talent that we have at defense, if there is a drop off this season, it's not going to be as noticeable. 
mm-hmm. if we weren't quite as talented. And and like you said, I've heard nothing but what brave reviews um, about him. I mean, you can say what you want about his interviewing skills and communication skills. If if he can get his point across to the players, um, and and they're doing what they're coach to do I think I think will be good I was reading this morning from Tiger Illustrated they were talking about um his presence out there at the practice field the intensity and everything is still there uh just like when Venables was there now he's not as intensive a person uh but the practices seem to be going uh just about the same so that's um, really good to hear yeah um my my thoughts on the on the season may not be quite as specific as yours um I think uh, a big part of this season is can Clemson escape the injury bug uh, this year? Um, there were a lot of issues last year, and I think most of them were magnified by the excessive amount of in- injuries that we had. Um, yeah, there were problems, but I think had we not had the the unfortunate luck with all those injuries, it wouldn't have been as bad. Um, had we been healthier, I think Clemson wins one, maybe two more games. I still think they. I still think they lose to Georgia, but mm-hmm. State and Pitt are kind of toss-ups for me. Um, so can we stay healthy? At, like on the injury topic, um, I really think it's been a really big issue for Clemson for the last two years, really ever since the COVID season. You mm-hmm. know, you had that off-season where you weren't really allowed to hold workouts. You didn't know if the season was going to happen. And then all of a sudden, like a few weeks before fall camp. Yeah like everything started going down. So injuries are to be expected after kind of an off season like that. Uh, I would, I honestly expected the kind of lag and for it to happen again last year too, from not having the off season in 2020. But if it really starts happening again, um, I know this has been like a common thing, but I think you really have to question the uh, strength and conditioning department of the football team, just because, the first two seasons are an excuse. You did have that off season where you weren't able to develop as much as you wanted to. But if you're not able to do it after this, then you really need to start reevaluating your work in the weight room. And if that's really making you a durable enough football player, because that's really where it all stems from to me, honestly. Yeah, no, I agree wholeheartedly on that. And I, I think it was premature to, to say something like that and criticize the strength and conditioning department last year. Because, uh, I mean, it happens. Some years teams just get unlucky and just players are dropping like flies. Mm-hmm. And to the point with COVID, uh, like you said, I think that's probably part of it. Um, so, but, yeah, if if they continue this year and in the next year, that is something you definitely have to look at and evaluate. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. Um, a tweet that I've seen from Bill Miss Bill blah, 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 can't talk Bill Minst. <laughs> I still can't say it. Ben <laughs> Milstead uh, with the roar. Um, it's basically a hypothetical conversation with hypothetical um, quotes, but he says, uh, says this national media UGA can lose the SEC championship and still get in the playoff. The same media Clemson's schedule does not do them any favors. They need to run the table. And then at the bottom of that tweet, he compares a couple things with UGA and Clemson. Uh, Clemson's strength of schedule, 58, and they're playing four ranked opponents. UGA strength of schedule, uh, 94, 
and they are only scheduled to play two ranked opponents at this time. Um, so I don't know. I do. I'm not one of those. Uh, the SEC or the ESPN hates hates Clemson. Everybody hates Dabo. <laughs> I'm not one of those people. Um, but I, I do agree with that sentiment there. Um, I don't know. I, and I'll probably, hopefully I don't go off on a rant here, but <laughs> Clemson fans drive me absolutely crazy when it comes to stuff like this, that, oh, uh, ESPN doesn't care about it, hates Clemson, Paul Feinbaum hates Clemson, all this stuff. They're doing their job to get clicks and views and all this stuff, and they know that if uh, they're dealing with Clemson fans and talking with Clemson fans, <laughs> it has been proven that they will react and give them the reaction they want. Well, yeah, uh, let's just say it right here to Clemson fans, the few of you listening to this. <laughs> stop reacting to it. They're doing it to get the reaction out of you. Their job is to get the reaction out of you. They're just saying stuff to make you personally mad. Mm-hmm. They're trying to works. make you engage. They're trying. It does work. They're trying to make you personally engage on their social media and make their numbers look good. Absolutely. So, so just relax a little bit. <laughs> we're gonna we're on this podcast. We're gonna say some dumb stuff. And Paul Feinbaum has the exact same job. He's just on a national TV show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. um I'll, so I, I find that particular tweet interesting. Um, so I'm interested to see just the general uh, vibe with Georgia this year. Are they given a little bit of leniency after winning a national championship if they were to drop a game or two early or that kind of stuff versus – I don't um, – What's that? I was just going to say I don't think it should be the case just because, I mean, you have to look at what Georgia lost. They did lose – probably three of the best defensive players in college football. You know, their quarterback is not amazing. The only savior they had at quarterback was, is gone now. So it's like, let's calm down on Georgia a little bit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) They're, they're still going to be good. They're probably still win 10 games just because they're in a bad division. Um, But as far what Georgia was last year, like as much as I hate to say it, it was Georgia's year. It was finally mm-hmm. their time. Clemson can no longer say we've won three since your last one. It's over. We just move on. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that one's a little bit more painful for you being a uh, uh, growing up in Georgia than it is for I me spent, living in South Carolina my whole I've life. I've spent my whole life in Georgia, and Georgia fans are some of the most relentless. Um, Whenever we won in 2013 against Georgia, I definitely made it known every single day. Uh, when they beat us in 2014, it was made known to me every single day. So <laughs> <laughs> you just got to take it where you can get it. They they had it last year. Congrats! It yep. was the right it was the right combination. Yep. All right. So kind of changing subjects. This week I posted two Twitter polls um, on. Uh, nachos and analysis at nachos underscore analysis on Twitter. Uh, the first one, what will Clemson's final regular season record be? Uh, and I gave the options 12 and 0, 11 and 1, 10 and 2, and 9 and 3. Um, we'll start at the top. I was kind of surprised by this. Uh, 42% of people that voted think that Clemson will go 12 and 0. Um, 11 and 1 got 48% the most. Uh, the most voted on 
uh, final record. And then you had um, 8% think 10 and 2 and 2% think 9 and 3. Uh, what's your kind of initial reaction on that one, Matthew? 11 and 1 and 12 and 0 is right where I am personally, too. Um, mm. Clemson's schedule isn't that tough, really. Um, there are a few tester games here and there, and there is like a long stretch of tough games back to back. Um, I'm personally picking a 12 and 0, but it's not because, you know, I've grown up a Clemson fan and had <laughs> orange tinted glasses my whole life. I was looking at the schedule and there's only like two games that I think Clemson might drop, which is why I'm okay with the 11 and one. I think Clemson could still sneak into the playoffs at 11 and one, two with the loss to the right team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm leaning more towards 11 and one right now. I think between Notre Dame, um, NC state, and depending how depending on how Miami shakes out, they're one of those ones. Not, they're never ranked quite as high as Notre Dame, but there's always you can tell that the machine at ESPN they they want Miami to be good. And, and there's course, always there's it, always that talk about is the U back? Yeah. And so far, the like, I mean, the last few times Clemson has played Miami, it's been that same talk too: is the U back? Can they get over the hump? And it has not been close. Yeah. The yeah. last few times. So I don't feel comfortable enough just based on what I saw last year um, going 12 and 0, but I think 11 and 1 is probably right there. Um, Vegas puts them at um, the over under at 10 and a half. So that would get you there. So uh, the next poll question was who is Clemson's toughest opponent this season? Uh, Wake Forest, NC State, Notre Dame, or Miami? Uh, Wake Forest got 4% of the vote. Miami also got 4% of the vote. NC State, 35%, and Notre Dame, 57%. Um, that kind of aligns with what my my thought process was with those yeah. results. Me too. I had It was Notre Dame and NC State for me. Notre Dame, just because of being a Blue Blood program and going to play there is always going to be tough. Mm -hmm. um, NC State, I think we have the edge just because of the revenge factor. They got the one on us last year. Um, I don't think Dabo or is going to let anybody on the team, anybody's going to let that happen again, it, especially that game's at home this season, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I don't see Clemson losing at home this season. Um, keep the streak alive. Yeah, that'd be nice to keep that streak going. I, my, I initially was kind of thinking NC State, but the more you kind of think about it, every time NC State has had any sort of hype and people like, all right, NC State is is kind of legit. They whenever they have high expectations, uh, they tend to fold. Um, so I definitely think Notre Dame. Um, they're definitely the most skilled uh, team that will play. And you add the fact that we're going to have to go there and play. It's probably going to be a nighttime game. I think I don't have the schedule pulled up right in front of me, but I think that it is. Uh, it's in October. Let's see, November fifth. So it's probably so going to be cold. Yeah. So, um, I, yeah, I, I I agree with those results. Notre Dame is definitely going to be our toughest opponent. Mm -hmm. It'll be a tough test. There are a few tough games on their Wake Forest. You know, even Boston College always plays Clemson close. They're they have a good coaching staff, and they're always able to 
keep it tight. So there's a few games in there that might be close. I picked a few close games this year uh, just as like a preliminary season outlook. But uh, I mean, call it the bias, but I I believe Clemson has the ability to go 12-0 this year. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think there is the ability there. I don't, I don't disagree with that. All right, let's take a look at the ACC preseason poll as voted on by ACC Media. Um, this happened at ACC Media Days, and, I mean, a lot of these are kind of obvious. Uh, let's start with the Atlantic Division. Clemson picked a win, uh, the Atlantic, with 111 first-place votes. NC State second with 44 first-place votes. Wake Forest with six. Louisville, no first-place votes at fourth. Florida State at fifth with two first-place votes. Boston College, sixth with one first-place vote. And Syracuse in dead last in the Atlantic. What's your uh, initial reaction there, Matthew? Everything here looks about right to me. Um, The only thing I wouldn't be surprised to see is Boston College overperforming. They still have a lot of talent. Uh, Phil Yurkovich is still there, and I think he's a – He's a good quarterback. He'll be drafted pretty high just for being a prototypical pro quarterback coming into this next draft. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Boston College finish in fourth above Louisville and Florida State. But other than that, everything else is about where I would rank it personally. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't really have a problem here. I think Clemson, NC State, Wake Forest are the three best teams. And with the loss of Sam Hartman, uh, with Wake Forest and no real def- definitive answer when he may return. Um, I think that it's safe to put them below NC State. Um, I think that um, Clemson obviously is clearly the most talented, best coach team here in this division, um, and they should win this division. So I don't have any real complaints there myself. Yeah, Wake um, Forest has a lot of holes on defense still, and uh, NC State is always a really well-coached team. But uh, Clemson talent and coaching combined, yeah. Uh, there's not really anybody in the division who I can really see competing. Yeah. Um, in the coastal, um, we have a little bit more parity, and that's usual in this division. Uh, Miami was voted to to win the division with 98 first place votes. Pitt second with 38. North Carolina third with 18. Virginia fourth with six. Virginia Tech fifth with three. Georgia Tech with one, and Duke the only uh, team in the division not receiving a first-place vote in dead last. Um, (laughs) I find it kind of interesting Virginia Tech voted uh, lower than Virginia. I don't know if if that – I'm just completely oblivious to something going on, but you got a first-year coach at Virginia. Uh, Virginia Tech typically recruits better. Uh, Virginia did lose some talent. Or because their quarterback is gone after last year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, maybe just expectations are high for Tony Elliott. Uh, I do think, like, as far as this ranking goes of how the media ranked it, I wouldn't put it any different. Um, shout out to the guy who picked Georgia Tech to win <laughs> the division. I, I hope you're right, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Georgia Tech Georgia Tech has all the ability to be a competing program. They just need to put the puzzle pieces together. They're in a great region. They're in a great city. Uh no bias at all being from there, but uh 
They have all the ability to be good. They just need to put it all together. Probably not this year, but shout out to that guy who who yeah. picked him to be the number one. It, it could happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I think that they the the voters got it right. I think Miami's going to come out of the coastal uh, with a win. I think after Pitt losing um, uh, Kenny Pickett last year, the NFL. I, I don't think they they stand a chance to win it. Um, but still more talented than some of the others. North Carolina, I think last year, if they were going to win it, that was their year. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to be Miami. You're going to get a, a repeat of a few years ago with Clemson and Miami in the ACC championship. Now, are we going to see uh, the U return? Are they going to be back? Are they going to be like the U of the last, I don't know, two decades where they kind of flounder when they get the big stage? Um, we'll see, but I think it's, I definitely think it's Clemson Miami in the ACC championship. Miami is a fair pick there. Um, we've been hearing that the U has been back for the last 15 years, but we haven't seen it yet. Every time they get in the big game, it never really goes well. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's no reason not to believe that they have the opportunity to, they have the talent and with the new NIL deals, the big market of Miami, is going to help them out, I think, in recruiting. Um, Miami should be on their way back, but it you never know, honestly, in the Coastal. Yeah. So we both have Miami and Clemson playing for the ACC championship. I assume you have Clemson uh, winning it. Yeah. I, I mean, like I said, Miami, the last few times we've been told that the U is back and then they face Clemson, and it's it hasn't been closed in the last – 10 years probably between Miami and Clemson. Yeah. It's just been blowout after blowout. Miami isn't there yet. I do think they have the chance to get back. Um, as far as talent wise though, just team versus team. It's not, it's not a competition yet. Yeah. All right. So let's take a look around the country. Uh, who do you have uh, in the big 10 this year? I think Ohio State is going to come back really talented and uh, super talented on offense, and their defense is still going to be very good, maybe the best in the Big Ten. Um, I think it's their conference to lose, really. Ohio State is just the blue blood. They have C.J. Stroud. They have talent. They're going to be good. Uh, the rest of the Big Ten doesn't impress me a whole hell of a lot, honestly. Yeah. No, I agree. I think I think Ohio State, um, it's theirs to lose. I think they're gonna I think they're gonna claim it. Um you had you had last year Michigan finally beat up on them. Uh, but I don't think that's gonna happen again. Um if we know anything about Ryan Day, he's good at motivating his team in revenge games. Um so I don't think Michigan stands a chance against Ohio State this year. Um and I just think they're they're the clear, clearly best team in, in the league. So I, I agree. I have Ohio State winning the Big Ten as well. Um, the Big 12. Who do you have winning the Big 12? This one's kind of a toss-up. There are a few teams up at the top competing. Um, I'm going to pick Oklahoma to win just because of uh, being a Clemson homer. I want Brent Venables to do well. A lot of Clemson's coordinators who have gone on to – Head coaching positions haven't had the best of success. So I really want Brett Venables. I feel like 
He fits the pieces at Oklahoma. He fits the culture. Um, I really hope he's able to build a successful program and keep the success of Oklahoma going. So I'm just going to pick Oklahoma as a homer pick, but it's uninformed mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> not guaranteed. Yeah, I would. I'd like to see Brent Venables succeed here in this first year, and I think he has. I think he has a good chance at it too, because I mean, no, no matter what coach has been there over the last couple coaching turnovers, I mean, they've been consistently a top program, always coming in at ten wins every year, making the the playoff. Uh, now they've never been able to get over that hump, um, but conference-wise, uh, I could definitely see it. However, I don't know. I think first-year head coach um, learning how to kind of delegate the offensive side of things and just manage an entire team as opposed to a uh, just a defense. I don't know that Brent Venables gets it done this year. Um, I'm interested to see, um, are there any head coaches out there that have get-back coaches? Have there been any other ones? (laughs) (laughs) Not to my knowledge, at least. Um, Oklahoma's probably already have their uh, positions posted on Indeed for their next (laughs) get-back coach because they'll need one. But I do agree. uh, It's tough for a coordinator to jump into a head coach position and not see like some kind of drop-off in coaching ability. You don't have as much control over the X's and O's, but uh, you're more like CEO of the program. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope Venables is able to do well at it, like I said, but yeah. uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it, there's some stumbles along the way. It's yeah, a tough it, conference. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going with Baylor this year. Um, I, I believe Oklahoma was picked to be the favorite. Um, Baylor, I believe, was right behind them. I may be wrong with that, but last year they finished 12-2 and two overall and 7-2 and two in the conference. Um, and Honestly, it would be nice just to have a little mix-up because, I mean, we've had Oklahoma, we've had Ohio State, we've had Clemson, we've had Alabama. It's it's usually the same teams kind of cycling through in the college football playoffs. So it'd be nice to get a new team in there. Also, some new colors. I get that green and (laughs) yellow. So um, I'm I'm rooting for uh, maybe maybe that's why I picked Baylor, just because I like their colors. So (laughs) Um, the Pac-12, which – has some different colors in the Pac-12 too. Who are you going with in the in that league? Well, I'm kind of on board with your green and yellow pick here. Uh, I'm gonna go with Oregon to win, but I do have to be honest to all of the listeners. I have not paid attention to any Pac-12 football news or developments since probably the last time the Pac a Pac-12 team was on the field in bowl season. <laughs> So um, I'm picking Oregon because I like being in the state. It's a great area. Um, well, certain areas are. Um, <laughs> Downtown Portland's a little mess at the moment. <laughs> there's there's some uh, some out in the out in the sticks areas of Oregon that aren't so great either. But uh, I like Oregon. I'm just gonna pick them because I have no information about the Pac-12, and it's could be a toss up no matter who. <laughs> There you go. I don't hate it. Um, mine's kind of similar. Um, Utah, they had a they had a good in in conference record last year. They finished eight and one in the Pac twelve and ten and four overall. Um, they're kind of like Oklahoma. They're not quite as consistent as Oklahoma, but they're they're usually right there. Pretty solid program. Um, they do so well for a program that is based in Utah. Um, we were talking <laughs> about Georgia Tech a minute ago and. And the rich recruiting 
talent around them. Um, Utah does, is not afforded those uh, advantages, and yet they continue to uh, be a solid program. So um, I'm going with Utah, similar to you, because I have also not paid one bit of attention to the <laughs> Pac-12 since uh, last football season. So, And then the last league, uh, we may or may not even need to uh, discuss this one, the SEC. Um, do we both have Alabama here? Yeah, Alabama's going to win. Let's move on to the next segment. Fact or fiction? <laughs> All right, next segment. <laughs> fact or fiction? Um, fact or fiction, DJ Uingalale looks like the 2020 version, uh, 2020 Notre Dame game version of himself. So I'm going with fiction on this. Uh, DJ only played great, and his stat line looked great in that game because Notre Dame let him pass uh they sold out on the run and stifled it honestly they executed their game plan they said if this freshman quarterback is going to come in and beat us on the air through the air we're going to let him um they did what they were supposed to do they gave up a bunch of passing yards but uh overall they were still able to make the difference where they wanted to and that was the fact that was the difference in that game to me uh, defenses last year were able to like mimic that by just selling out against the run, stacking the box against Clemson. You know, we have talented running backs. Uh, we hadn't proved that we are a downfield threat. We didn't really give DJ a chance. And with injuries and wide receiver troubles, it was always tough. But uh, the only way that this is fact is if uh, we give DJ an effective run offense to move behind um make that offense work efficiently and let dj just be like a gunslinger like he's supposed to be um if that if all of those things come together this is a fact but until i see that happening this is fiction dj only had great stats in that game because notre dame let him yeah no i agree with you i think we're gonna see a very different dj this year um but i don't think this entire year is gonna look like that game for uh, the reasons that you just stated. Um, I think I think he's going to be um, new and improved. We mentioned he, he's down some weight. Um, and media day, just being there talking with him, you could tell like he, he's got a confidence. He's got – almost seems kind of like he's got his swagger back a little bit. And I know he's a flashy kind of guy. Mm -hmm. um, and he definitely sold the show with his suit at media day. Um, but I actually haven't even seen any pictures of it. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll send them to you. But he uh, – he, uh, Definitely seem confident, and I think that's going to translate well to him uh, this season. Do you think there is um, any chance that he loses his starting job this year to Kate Clubman? Because a lot of fans, if they had their their way, they would have they would have done it already. There is definitely a chance. Um, I would never rule that out. Just because if DJ comes into the first four games of this season playing how he did last year and not getting the help from the receivers and offensive line that he did last year. It's going to be a very different look in the backfield of Clemson's offense by yeah. the end of the year. Um, I don't necessarily expect it to be as smooth of a transition as like the Deshaun from Cole Stout and uh, Trevor Lawrence from Kelly Bryant. I think 
the coaching staff has a lot more faith in DJ than they did in either of those two guys, Cole Stout or Kelly Bryant. He's way more talented than them. He has the ability to take Clemson to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, it just depends on his mental side of the game because, like you said, he is flashy. He does have confidence, but I feel like he might have went into last season a little overconfident. Uh, that's just a little speculation, but uh, I like the swagger. I always appreciate that in players. If a player can come out and, you know, show his confidence and then back it up with the play. I just mm-hmm. hope both both sides of that are there this year. Yeah. Yeah. And when you when you have that give off that vibe, that you have that swag, that confidence and you don't perform, then that almost amplifies it when you don't perform in the minds of the fans. It was almost exactly like that last year with like DJ getting the Bojangles deal and coming in with the big, big Cinco chain and like mm-hmm. all of these things, like all the hype was there for DJ last year and it just didn't add up. Um, it's not all DJ's fault, obviously, but uh, you know, it's all a part of it. Like having the confidence is going to be key for him because if he doesn't, he's going to hesitate on throws like he did last year uh, and just not, trust his arm because he has the arm talent to be a top quarterback in the country. Yeah. All right. Factor fiction. Clemson takes a step back defensively with the departure of Brent Venables this season. So I mentioned this earlier, but I do think this is a fact. Um, I do think West Goodwin's led defense is going to be a little bit worse than last, last 10 years with Brent Venables. Not by much. It, probably will just be like maybe a few like times where he gets out coached by the offensive coordinator, just being inexperienced as he is. Um, the players have confidence in him. So I have no reason not to have confidence in him. Uh, from what we've heard, he's a savant. So I'm ready to see it in action. We did get to see it against Iowa state and that mm-hmm. went pretty well. So I'm excited. I, uh, I hope there's not much drop off, drop off, but don't be surprised if there is. Yeah, I I think I think it is a fact. I think there will step back. However, I think with the talent that we have returning this year, you you got a defensive line that's probably going to be one of the best, if not the best, in the country. You got some solid upperclassmen uh, in in leadership there. Um, so I think there will be a step back, but it won't be as noticeable this year, just based on the skill of the players we have there. Um, The biggest thing I am interested to see is how he handles in-game decisions and getting plays in, because that was an issue with with Venables. With all the success he had as a coordinator, there were times where teams took advantage of him getting those plays in late, and our Mm -hmm. guys were left looking to the sideline. So I'm interested to see how he kind of handles that. Yeah, that was definitely a weakness of Venable's defensive strategy. Um, he really wanted to see the personnel before he called in his play and kind of what formation they were going to line up in, but that leaves you susceptible to not being ready at the line when the ball snapped and they can get three or four yards off a run easy Yeah, just by your defensive line not being set. So it will be interesting to see how Wes, you know, manages that, but... uh from what Brett, Brett Venables did nothing wrong to me in the 10 years that he was here. Yeah, no, so. I got nothing but praise. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, fact or fiction, there are no teams talented enough to challenge Alabama for a national title this season. I'm saying fiction here. I 
never believe the Alabama hype at the beginning of the season, just because we've heard it before of this is the best football team of all time, the best college football team of all time. And then they end up dropping a game or there's a team that's a little better coach or executing better on that night. Um, the team is only as good as they're executing on the game night. So uh, I'm going to say fiction Clemson has the opportunity. they have the talent to be able to beat them. Um, Ohio state definitely has the talent to be able to beat them. So, uh, and even since Stetson Bennett got his haircut, uh, they even, <laughs> even Georgia, just kidding. Uh, I don't think Georgia really has a chance to knock off Alabama this year, but there are teams out there that will be able to compete with Alabama. It's, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's ever a just call the season and it's an Alabama championship type of year. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say that it is a fact that there's no one going to challenge them. Not because I don't think that they're not beatable. Alabama certainly could drop a game. They've been known to in an intense rivalry game with Auburn and Auburn down year, and they'll still sneak one out against Alabama or get snuck up on by Texas A&M or somebody, they could definitely lose a game. However, there's something that changes within that program and those teams once the conference championship weekend happens um, because Alabama turns it on to a different level. Um, You saw it in the national championship last year. Um, Alabama or Georgia was probably one of the best defenses we've seen in a long time. Um, and Alabama proved that they could move the ball and put points up on that defense. So um, not saying that Alabama is um, perfect or can't be beat on any given Saturday. However, when I think when they get in that uh, that championship mode, I don't know that they could be beat this year. So, no, yeah, the, the experience in that situation definitely will help, and it has for the last 10 years. I mean – Every player on Alabama's roster has been to the playoffs before, so they definitely know how to turn it on and how to the season. But as far as the question goes, as is there any team talented enough to compete with Alabama? Yes, there are, and mm-hmm. there always will be. I don't think Alabama will ever be as far ahead as a lot of people make them out to be. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. All right, next, fact or fiction. Five years from now, Clemson will be a member of the ACC. I hope to God that this is fiction. Um, The game is obviously changing a lot right now with NIL deals, conference realignments. Um, Clemson staying in the SEC or the ACC, sorry, the ACC for five more years will be a huge blow to Clemson's competitiveness in not only football, but basketball and baseball, women's basketball, all of the above. Um, Clemson staying in the ACC is a bad move for the programs. So uh, with the way the game is changing, it's going to be very beneficial to join one of these power conferences and show that Clemson is here to compete. Um, We do have the talent to compete week in and week out and not just on a quote unquote weak ACC schedule. Uh, We can, you know, Clemson could go undefeated in an SEC schedule. Yeah, I think... I agree. I think I hope this is fiction as well. I think Clemson needs to get out when they can. Dabo, uh, I was shocked at media day based on his response. He didn't just flat out say, yeah, I want to leave the ACC, but he didn't pledge his allegiance to the league when asked about it and the changes that were coming. His his message was basically we're 
we're in that locker room, we're focused on playing football. Doesn't matter who we're playing. Um, so I, I definitely think that a change is needed with the change in, in the landscape of college athletics as a whole, especially college football. Whether athletic directors want to say it out loud, football rules everything in this country. It may not at every single school, but in most schools in in this in the power five, football is the big driving force. Um, but obviously it's not the only sport. Um I could see Clemson doing well in in the SEC and baseball, especially with this this coaching turnover. The the department here proves that they're taking things seriously. They they got rid of Monty Lee, who was underperforming. They brought in a coach who took a team to the College World Series two years ago. Um, and I think a program like Clemson would do well in the SEC. I also think that uh, the Big Ten, if you're looking for a basketball, Big Ten has been just as competitive, if not better, the last few years than the ACC has. Um, and um, academic-wise, I think Clemson kind of fits more with with the Big Ten. Either way, I really wouldn't care. It'd be cool to finally shut up the the haters in the SEC, SEC mm-hmm. saying that we couldn't couldn't handle it. Um, but I think the Big Ten is just as tough, if not tougher, in some years. I I agree. I think uh, joining the Big Ten might be the best move for Clemson, just as far as an all sports category, because the Big Ten still is competing in baseball. Um, they're probably, I mean, other than outside of maybe Kentucky and Florida, always a better basketball conference. Um, and as far as football just as consistently other than, you know, Georgia and Alabama, there's like, as far as football goes, Mm -hmm. the big 10 is competing just as much as the sec is. Um, I am surprised at Dabo's comments about being open to the change. And I do, I am encouraged by his position on it because he is able to come out a little conservative every once in a while on changes in the game and the landscape and stuff. Um, so I am impressed with how he's, how his stance is, you know, we just play who they tell us to and we will prepare for them. Mm. Uh, that's going to get him a long way. I think, uh, I hope it, I hope it works out and it's going to be really interesting to see where college football is five, five years from now. Yeah, no doubt. Um, all right, last one. I threw this one in there kind of late, but fact or fiction, Cincinnati's poor performance in the playoff last season set the non-Power 5 programs back in terms of playoff chances moving forward. I personally think this is fiction. Um, as I was just talking about, the game is evolving right now before our eyes, like really faster than we've ever seen college football change. Um the four-team playoff is not going to be a thing in the next decade. It's definitely going to expand. So the group of five, even if that is a thing in five years, um, the group of five teams are not out of it. They're still going to get chances. Uh, I think you had mentioned at one point, or at least in private, that uh, you know it's not just power or group of five teams getting blown out in semifinals. Um, you know, every single year that the playoff has existed, there's been a blowout semifinal game. It's mm-hmm. not just the fall of Cincinnati or a group of five school. They competed just as much as 
Notre Dame did in 20, what was that, 2018? Um, Washington in 20. Mm-hmm. 15, 14 or 15 yeah. yeah like they didn't they didn't lower the bar for entry to a um to a playoff game and as the playoff expands it's not going to be out of the question for a group of fives to get a chance and even win games uh as long as the 14 playoff is there maybe but uh the way things are moving i don't think it's detrimental to group of five case yeah i don't disagree with your point there I, it if we're talking the way college football is currently, I say that that's a, a fact that I don't think that the group of five was ever really considered to have an input or have a chance at the college football playoff. It, it doesn't really seem like it's set up for them to succeed. And I think over the last couple of years, based on the success of some other programs, whether it be uh, UCF or um, whoever, um, even even Coastal Carolina. Yeah, Coastal Carolina The two years ago during the COVID year. I, I feel like there was a lot more pressure, especially Cincinnati. I, I think they were undefeated going into it, that they were like, all right, we kind of have to here. We, we There have been some close calls here. And then the blowout, I don't know. But as if the college landscape is moving like we think it's moving, I don't think that matters. But in the, in the world we're in right now with 14 playoff, I definitely do kind of think that Cincinnati's poor performance, including the fact that other uh, previous semifinal games have been blowouts. I don't know. I just think it kind of hurt the uh, group of five personally. Yeah. I mean, if you look back at that game, Cincinnati, am I looking at the right game? Who do they play in the, oh, it was Alabama. They did play Alabama in the last uh, yeah, they did play Georgia in the Peach Bowl two years ago. That's what it was, okay. Yeah, sorry, I was thinking of the same thing too. But um, yeah, I mean, they didn't... It wasn't like they played worse than Notre Dame did in 2018 and some of these other teams that got blown out in the first round of the playoffs. It's just going to happen with how big of a skill gap there is currently at the top in college football. And right now it's Alabama at the top and then a few other teams fighting for second place yeah all right so transitioning towards the the last part of the show um but before we give our final thoughts we have to give our college football playoff prediction so we've both given our uh, conference championships matthew who do you have as the four teams in the college football playoff so as far as playoffs go as far like based off of my conference championship picks, my top three is going to be Alabama, Clemson, Oregon, and Ohio State. Um, not saying that Oregon is a guarantee; they're not a lock. I just pick them to win the Pac-12, so might as well put them in the playoff. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it was either them or Oklahoma, and Oklahoma probably has a better chance of dropping a game in the middle of the season. Um, It'd be nice to see Oregon back in the playoff since the first one. So yeah, uh, I have them as the f- top four with Clemson and Ohio State winning uh, or ending up in the championship. This is a homer. Okay. It's it's a homer pick. <laughs> um, I do think Clemson would like to get their revenge on Ohio State. We did drop our first game ever to Ohio State last playoffs. Mm-hmm. Not last year, but the year before. Um, 
Ohio State probably isn't as talented as they were at that point. I really thought that was Ohio State's year to win the championship. So, uh, you know, that's my early season pick. Things are probably going to change. but Clemson, Ohio State in the national championship. Yeah, Alabama, Clemson, Oregon, Ohio State in the playoffs, and Clemson and Ohio State in the championship. Just because okay. I didn't, I didn't want to pick Alabama. I didn't want to be boring. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to be boring. Uh, I have Alabama, and I kind of seeded mine. I have Alabama the one seed, Ohio State the two seed, Notre Dame the three seed, and Clemson four. Um, Ohio State and Oakland, or Ohio State and Notre Dame open the season against each other. Um, somebody's got to lose that game. I don't know if the seating that I have them here really fits what I think is going to happen there. I don't know. I feel like Ohio state will win that opening game. Uh, but if Notre Dame can, can win out, um, I don't see why they wouldn't make the, the championship. If they did win out that, well, that, that, that they winning, would defeat Clemson. I was, say, <laughs> I was just about to say that if Notre Dame winning out after losing to Ohio state does mean they beat Clemson. So does a one loss Clemson to Alabama or, to Notre Dame, do they get into the playoff? Possibly. It just depends on the other conferences as far as like Oklahoma and Utah. Um, if one of them is able to go undefeated and win the conference, Clemson doesn't have a chance with one loss. Even if it is to Notre Dame, another playoff team. Um, but, you know, anything could happen, really. It's college football. Yeah. <laughs> I have uh, Alabama and Ohio State advancing to the national championship, probably a pretty boring pick. Um, and I don't know if you said who you had winning, but I, I, I have Alabama winning at all. So I didn't pick a winner just because uh, since I picked Clemson to go to the championship, I didn't want to just say this is Clemson's year. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is my first podcast. I didn't want to come off being like you know Clemson's going twelve and zero and they're going to win everything. They're going to win it all this year. So <laughs> I didn't pick a winner yet. Uh, so we're just going to leave it at that. We'll just leave it yeah. at uh, Ohio State <laughs> rematch. Yeah. First time I'm, not, the- I'm no comment after that. <laughs> All right. So we're going to wrap it up. What Do you have any final thoughts uh, before we uh, just wrap it up? I do have a few. Um, going into the season, I'm really expecting uh, a few players to have breakout seasons, kind of step into that star role. Um, one, Andrew Makuba. Uh, he did have a great season last year, but now he's kind of the kind of the talent on the defense. I really expect him to have a big season. Uh, Cade Klubnik, no matter what capacity we see him, even if it's in garbage time, I think he's going to be able to show his star potential for the future um, at, at any point during the season. I've already mentioned during the episode, but Dakari Collins... Uh, I really think he has the size and speed to be able to be an impact player for the offense. And then uh, two more, Trey Williams. The defensive line has been stacked for a while, but I really expect Trey Williams to take a big step up. Um, And then Will Taylor uh, is super athletic, super talented. He did get injured last year, which was a bummer, but I have super high expectations for him. Um, He's really going to be our, a go-to player for the next few years to me. 
Yeah, and he made quite an impact on the diamond too. Whenever he returned to baseball this season, so yeah, I know, I know, we were paying attention to that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I am very excited for our podcast and uh, our just chance to enter the space and start to grow. Um, just remember, I am a I'm a college student and. I don't know what I'm talking about. So I'm sorry for being a new podcaster. Drew is over here a professional. He's had one going for a while. So sorry if I stumbled or kind of messed up for a little while. Um, And the only other thing I had to say is uh, I hope to be able to get some guests on the episodes throughout the season. Um, Mm -hmm. Let us know, comment or tweet us who you would want to see on the podcast. And we will do everything in our power to make that happen. I really think that's a, good opportunity for us to talk to new people get some new perspectives um so i'm really excited for our future of the podcast this is the first episode so yeah uh yeah that's about all i had to say yeah looking forward to it we uh i I definitely think we're gonna try to get some guests on this year um and this is the first of this particular podcast however on this same channel um i've uploaded two podcasts previously uh, i was a super regional preview for the softball team this past year um and then about two months ago i did a one-on-one with a uh, new head baseball coach eric backage so if you're listening and interested in baseball or softball check those out um just a couple more things before we wrap it up um national championship odds clemson has the fourth best odds which kind of line up with the polls they're fourth in the polls fourth best national championship odds at plus 1100 uh, Clemson's uh, over under is set at 10 and a half games, which Matthew and I kind of discussed. We I think we're both leaning towards them going over on that one. Um, Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia also have plus or plus or minus 10 and a half games. And then next week's game, the one we'll preview on next week's episode, Georgia Tech. Clemson opened as a 19 point favorite, but are currently sitting at uh, as 21 point favorites. So um, that's it for episode one. Thanks for joining. Uh, we'll be releasing these episodes every Thursday at seven o'clock, previewing the upcoming game as well as reviewing the previous week's game. Uh, but appreciate you listening. And if you do not already follow Nachos and Analysis on Twitter, give us a follow at Nachos underscore Analysis as well as Nachos underscore Podcast. Uh, but thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Peace. All right, peace. Can we take a quick pause? Got to take a bathroom break. You're good.